Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast of In Depth with Beth and Seth from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. And it is uh, my joy to be here with my colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith, as always. And I am Seth Patterson, your Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. Hello, Beth. Hello, Seth. And hello, everyone. I am Beth Hoffman Faith. And I am your minister for congregational care and worship. And we are looking at Sunday, March 7th, 2021, in which Duane preached a sermon called Shaped by Covenant using the Ten Commandments as the text. This particular version from Exodus chapter 20. Right. And it's, I think, important to note, you said this comes from Exodus as if there is a place it also is. And yes, the Ten Commandments show up twice in what uh, is called the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. It also shows up in Deuteronomy. And they're slightly different, but they're essentially the same Ten Commandments. There's different wording. Duane used the Ten Commandments and the Pericope from Exodus. So before we say anything, Beth, I want whoever is listening right now Without looking it up, I'm going to give you 10 seconds of silence. Name the Ten Commandments. Well, that's a fun game, Seth. Isn't it? And we'll never know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? All right. So how'd you do? Could you name them? Beth, can you name them? I mean, we talked about this a little bit ago. Yes. Let's go through them. Let's name these commandments. And I would say that as a precursor, I would say one of the things that Dwayne lifted up and I think is important to remember about the commandments is that the first four commandments are about our relationship with God. And the six that follow are about our relationship with one another. So let's go with the first four. So there's the first four. Mm -hmm. It is, I am your God. That is number one. Just one God. Yep. Number two, you should have no other gods before me. In other words, watch out who you worship. That's right. Or what you worship, which brings number three, do not take God's name in vain. And number four, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Those are the four ways that we are in connection with God. And now the next six are with each other. Number five, honor your mother and your father. Are you listening to that, my daughter? (laughs) number six you should not kill number seven you shall not commit adultery number eight you should not steal number nine you should not bear false witness against your neighbor which means don't lie oh that's right you should not lie we were actually naming these do not kill do not steal do not sleep with your friend's spouse and do not do not lie about other people bear false witness. And number 10, do not covet. And it lists all sorts of things, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife or manservant or maidservant or ox or ass or anything that is your neighbor's. So there you go. Stay away from your neighbor's neighbor's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Just a little 10 commandments humor for y'all. So that those are the 10 commandments. And this is in our Lenten conversation about covenant. The Ten Commandments are another place in which God has named a covenant with people and named the way that people must covenant with each other. 
And I think that Duane does a good job of lifting this up, but I know that one of the things that has helped me understand the 10 commandments is to think about a, a new community of people trying to figure out how to live with one another, which what even law means in that sense. And it can be pretty chaotic. And so God offers through the prophet, some sort of rules for communal living and ways to stay in relationship and right relationship with God, right relationship with God and right relationship with one another. Thinking of that as a way to bring order, as a way to uh, shape relationship, as a way to provide sort of a container out of a chaotic time has helped. The Israelites have just left Egypt and all those rules and expectations and whatever those things were that were Egyptian were sort of gone and they were in the wilderness. And in that time, new parameters, new containers had to be created and God handed this down. It was also interesting after Duane got done preaching while you were setting up for communion, he told me that when the Supreme Court was debating about whether the Ten Commandments could be put at state houses. They said yes, because the Ten Commandments are secular. They are not religious. They are so woven into the fabric of a Judeo-Christian world that they are no longer religious. And I have to say that that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, like the last like, six. Absolutely. The last six great rules for communal living and, and for how to how to be um, the kind of neighbor that we're called to be. I, I, I get it. But the first four are absolutely about our relationship with a divine being. How do you secularize that? I don't ask the Supreme Court. I guess so. But I think that Duane did a nice job of basically stating that the courts have talked about the Ten Commandments far more than we have in our churches and far more than anyone's ever really spent time living them out. There's yeah. a lot, a lot of talk, no action. And then of course, in this poignant sermon, he lifts up the way we have broken these commandments right here, right now, uh, living into this time as today is, is the first day in the jury trial for Derek Chauvin, who killed George Floyd. So Minneapolis, if you are not here, the Twin Cities is uh, a new level of tension has returned. Just the unknown of what this trial will bring that we're all sitting in and trying to navigate anew and wondering what it is. Barricades are up, but yet other places are purposely not barricading to show confidence. And it's it's an interesting time and place to be. Dwayne also, what one of the things that really stuck out to me from the sermon is towards the beginning, he talks about how these tablets that the Ten Commandments are written on, the famous ones, if, I mean, we all have that image, I'm sure, whether you saw the movie Ten Commandments or not, the image has become culturally known of Charlton Heston's Moses standing with these two arched stone tablets with Roman numerals on them, of all things, standing like in lightning and clouds. Uh, yelling. But those were lost. So the written word, the written document, those things were gone. And not only did ancient Israelites, but all of us who are their descendants, we have had to embody these things. We can't just say, well, it's written down right there. We have to live them. We have to live our commitment to one God and no other God before and no graven images. And not killing, not stealing. We have to live that. And that's a lot harder than just having something written down, it seems. Right. We have to live that 
if we plan to live in covenant with God and others, we have to embody it based on our declaration of personal faith. And the way that we show up in the world. That's the question that I, that's resonated in my heart is, okay, what does this look like now? These words that we can either recite or not, these rules for living, these commandments on how to be community, what does that look like right now? And he reminds us that the Ten Commandments don't prescribe a punishment. It doesn't say, if you kill, then. It just says, don't. And Duane in the sermon necessarily and poignantly and sadly lifts up the way that we have broken this covenant specifically with Black Americans and Americans of color and Americans who were poor and the many ways that we marginalize people, that we don't embody this. We might put it on a state house. We might know it by heart, but we don't. We still kill. We still steal. We still covet. And the ones who carry the bulk of that weight are those who have the least institutional and systemic power. And he names names, and he could have he could have spent his entire sermon naming individuals' names. Mm-hmm. He only named a few. Well, and you think about our whole history of racism is based on breaking the Ten Commandments. From day one, we have failed miserably at upholding this covenant with one another and God. And so how do we let these ancient words frame our lives today? How do they speak meaning into how we try to build community and covenant with one another and with God? That's where I think we need to spend some energy. And Duane brings it into Plymouth specifically. I think the question about the world is, is an important one and one that has both been asked for 400 years on this continent, but also is being lifted up again with a a renewed urgency. Not that the urgency ever went away, but it is being talked about with a new urgency. But he brings it back to Plymouth. How is it that we as a smaller community, we as a example, a model, a practice session of larger communal living, how do we do this? How do we embody these things with each other? Right. I guess, Seth, I'd love to know, because I know that you're really resonating with this embodiment piece, what that means for you, because I, I have to say it's not as clear for me. So. I'm not sure it's clear, but it's a great question, I find. Um, the wondering of how is it that we do? How is it that we live? I mean, it's really easy for us to say, you shouldn't kill, but it's much harder to know the ways in which our actions and decisions in the world participate in the killing. It's really easy for me to say, I don't think you should steal. You shouldn't. But then what ways do I bear responsibility for theft in my ancestors, in theft in the way that I participate in buying things, the, my responsibility with the things I do mm. in the world. And that's where it comes fascinating to me because then it becomes an ethic of me and the things that I touch. And that's that's where change comes. And, and that discomfort, I think, is, is good. The discomfort of, well, I do think nobody should kill, but what am I inadvertently and accidentally participating in killing? And if so, how and how do I stop or how do I demand a stop? So it's about personal responsibility as well as holding individuals within the covenant and systems within the covenant accountable Yeah. to also upholding. 
that's the question that it raises for me is it's both about what I do, but it's also, if I'm in covenant with us, then it's about what we do. And that us is a concentric circle that gets bigger. There's the us of my family and the us of my neighborhood and the us of my church and the us of my city. But the same air I breathe right here is the same air you're breathing where you are. We're connected and how what I do to my air affects what happens to your air. And that really challenges us to look broader than we tend to do. You know, we, we tend to, f- to be pretty focused on what we can see right outside our door in our backyard or, you know, in our personal family. And this is really a, a calling to, for me to, to think much wider in terms of commitment and community. It also makes me think about how this covenant sort of builds on the covenant that I preached on last week. You know, that so God makes a covenant with Abraham and Sarah that they're going to, you know, be the ancestors of all nations. So my point last week was our responsibility to care for one another extends from that particular covenant. Well, now God is giving us another covenant to help frame what that really looks like in practice. So here we are to care for one another. Okay, we do that by you know, don't kill each other, yeah. don't lie, don't steal, don't abuse relationships, and it should be helpful. I think I've I've rebelled against the commandments and the Ten Commandments in the past because well, they seem number one rudimentary and like uh huh, but also antiquated. And so, how mm. do we breathe new life into these old words because they're so necessary? <laughs> this is well, necessary stuff. Absolutely. And and I think it's the timing of this being the lectionary for today in Minneapolis, the day before this jury selection starts in this trial, is really amazing sort of moment. Because we are debating what, whether we know it or not, we are debating what do not kill means. Because mm. if do not kill meant do not kill, there would be no question. There would be no to kill somebody is to kill somebody. But where we are at is the justifications of why we should ignore it. When does do not kill mean, well, I mean, not always, like we're debating those moments of the nuance that is left out of that simple and old phrase, don't kill. But Mm. what if, but what if you don't mean it? What if it's a police officer? What if we call it justified? Is it not killing them? Yeah. And who, who has the authority to make exceptions to the covenant? Who does get to decide that? Well, we'll leave you with that friends. We will leave you with who does get to decide? Who mm-hmm. does get to decide? Who gets to decide the nuances of covenant, specifically these commandments? And this that's the old fun phrase, like, do not steal, but what if you're starving? And the only way your family won't all die is if you steal a loaf. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good ethical question. So is this in Minneapolis right now. We are in a good ethical question. So we are to live the questions. Do we have a choice? We need to enter in. Yeah. The Ten Commandments seem like answers until you ask the questions, and then there's a lot. Thank you all for joining us again this week. We appreciate you. If you ever have thoughts or questions for us, please email beth at bethf at plymouth.org or me at sethp at plymouth.org. And thank you, Dwayne, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. You'll hear from us again next week. Blessings, everyone.